This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Community Foundation, inspiring people to give back, to sustain, and advance the community that we love. To learn more, visit givedoorcounty.org. Hello and welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast. I'm Andrew Clyden and I'm joined by Miles Danhausen, writer and editor for The Pulse. How's it going, Miles? It's going good, Andrew. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, not not too much has changed since last time we talked. It's still uh, really dreary out. Uh, we've still had those really weird kind of golden uh, sunsets that we've had. I, I'm still assuming that it's wildfire smoke, but uh, definitely adding to the smoky atmosphere as we get closer to Halloween. <laughs> Speaking of Halloween, you spoke with Louise Hausen up in Sister Bay about their Halloween decorations. Uh, and you talked to her and we're going to jump into that after we do a little bit of news here first, but uh, how, how was that conversation with Louise? Oh, it's great to talk to her. Um, I, I've walked through there a couple of times with my little boy who doesn't know what he's looking at yet, but he likes the lights. Um, they've just done a nice uh, Halloween display up there, so I brought her on to talk about that and also a little bit about the challenges of you know, being having a job where your job is to, to market and bring visitors, and in a year when it's just not as simple as doing that. So you got to that fine line that anybody in that job right now is is balancing between trying to get people here and help business, but also not bring crowds. It's a, it's a tough job. Right. So before we jump into that interview with Louise, uh, a couple news items to talk about. First off, uh, we have had a, a pretty long going series now in the Pulse called This Old Barn. Uh, the barns up in Door County, I think, are something that a lot of people really enjoy seeing as they're driving around. And uh, while this is not one of our typical barn stories in terms of, you know, restorations or 150 year old barns that are still standing, a uh, couple of barns have recently come down uh, in the corner of 42 and 57 in Sevastopol. Uh, so these barns will no longer be with us. Uh, tell me a little bit about these guys. Well, for those who have been coming to Door County for a long time, as you approach the Mill Supper Club and that Highway 4257 split just north of Sturgeon Bay, if you're like me, you've probably always looked at those kind of old white barns on the left-hand side of the road and and wondered what the heck the deal with those was because they've been crumbling as long as I've been alive. Um, so for at least 40 years, those have been unoccupied and just falling apart. And the the, the barns were once owned by a, a man named Meyer Class who had, a, it was Meyer Class Implements, and he would sell farm machinery, had a farm there, and they've just been aband abandoned and falling apart. And if you drive up now, they're no longer there. The only thing left is the silo from the old barns or the old farm. And uh, it's finally cleaned up. Some people will probably see that as a good thing to finally just have them gone. Other people will probably see that as losing one of those cool old rustic relics at the entry to Northern Door, so to speak. So I know a lot of people will be asking what happened. The town of Sevastopol actually condemned the, those buildings as a safety hazard. They don't own the property, but eventually, essentially, the, the woman who owns it lives in New York and is pretty unresponsive to requests to clean up the property and basically has not done anything with it for a long time. So the town of Sevastopol decided they had to finally go in and take the buildings down. So that's where that stands. Right. Do you know if there was any concern about the the barns, you know, falling apart on their own? Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and that is is that what's what spurred the the condemnation? Yeah, it's a it's a safety question. It's a an aesthetic question. 
Um, and then it's also at one point, I know there were concerns about there was an old gas pump there and the Door County Sanitarium didn't know like what what the status of any old gas tanks on that property were either. I think they sure. determined that that was not a threat, but I know that was a question at one point as well. And nobody nobody rose up to try to protect these barns. Nobody said that these are, are Door County icons that are worth preserving. Uh, no, at this point they have fallen into such disrepair that I mean they were they definitely were not uh, something that could be saved, and certainly the owner was not going to save them. When this came up, maybe ten or fifteen years ago, there was a a question about um, tearing those down. At that point, I believe that was because the, the taxes had not been paid on the property, and they were debating whether the town had to. Um, take the property. But um, at that point, there were some people who were arguing against tearing down the barn, saying like that's a, a, a relic and a, and a nod to Door County's agricultural past, kind of like a just cool thing to see. But I think in that time, they've, they've fallen apart considerably more. Right. You know, it's funny. I spend most of my time at work talking about cool new restaurants that have come to Door County or or other major tourism drivers. But uh, an article like this is a really great reminder that we do live in a small town when you and I get together for the podcast to talk about a couple of barns being torn yeah. down. <laughs> well, I had written about this a couple of years ago just because it is one of those curiosities where people just go, hey, what's up with those barns? So right now you know. So a couple of barns being torn down in Sevastopol are not the only exciting things going on down there. Uh, the Pioneer Girls cross-country team is going to state. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, and rather unexpectedly, according to head coach Annie Kapelnik, who said that they went to the sectionals expecting uh, their star runner, Olivia Stenzel, to advance to state. Olivia has um, gone to state all four years of her high school career, she is a four-time conference champion. Uh, plenty of reasons to be confident there. But the team outperformed expectations, uh, finishing second, which earns them a place at Division Three cross-country state meet. And really on the backs of some very surprising performances by some freshman runners. Um, freshman B. Dram took 45 seconds off of her personal best. And Libby Ash took a minute and a half off of her personal best. Jolene Lutke ran a great race. They really had a phenomenal team performance. And when they finished and they, you know, it's, they're not gathering together to do the awards presentations and things like that. So Annie said that when she told the team that they finished second and they were going to state, her team was shocked, just really excited, crying. Just kind of a stunning result for them but with three freshmen in their top five runners um, and then a couple of great performances by some seniors. So, you know, in a time when... It's really tough to compete. It's just cool for these girls to get this experience. And and even if it's a, a year that's very different than others, like a chance to, to go to state and and achieve something like this, really cool for them. Right. Absolutely. I, I have a couple of questions just, you know, as you as you teed me up there a little bit, considering how different the year is. Uh, cross country already, you know, moving to state and stuff here at the end of October seems pretty quick for me. I have almost no high school athletics experience, as you know, uh, so all of my timelines are from like, you know, we audition in October for the first play and then that's usually going on around January. Uh, so what, what's the timeline here in terms of high school athletics, uh, you know, within the, the scope of the pandemic? Uh, is, is this one of the first up and they decided to see what they could do with it or uh, or what are we looking at for the rest of the year? Well, as as a lot of listeners probably know, there are not every school is competing this year, at least in fall sports. They had the option to 
transition and run in the spring and do things at different times. So Fastful chose to go ahead. And so um, at these meets, they wear masks. Um, oftentimes they'll wear masks at the start of the race until things spread out. At least for cross country, this is kind of the normal timeline. Other sports have have switched those timelines a lot and had to deal with cancellations and delays. And that's one thing uh, uh, their coach, Annie Kapelnik, told me. She said, like, they went into each day, every practice, going with this haze of uncertainty, like not knowing whether the next meet was going to go on, not knowing whether they were going to be able to continue practicing um, and what the future held. So in a way, it helped them also focus the girls saying, like, hey, this is the chance you have today. Let's go with it. We don't know what's happening tomorrow. We can't control that. So let's just get a little better every day. And she did say this season was a little different, too, in the fact that normally they would have run nine or 10 races by this point in the season. And this year, I think they've only run six. So for those freshman girls, she said that's one reason they they exceeded expectations so much in the sectional meet is because those girls are just learning really how to race and just learning what they're capable of because they're only in their fifth or sixth race ever. Um, so some kind of unique challenges there uh, for any any fall athletes right now going through this right now. Um, and those challenges will continue as they go to state because normally the state meet is held with all the state's runners on one course in Wisconsin Rapids, and they all run at one time. And this year they're spreading those out on three different courses around the state. So they're actually going to go out to lacrosse. They're going to have the long bus ride stay overnight at a hotel, order their food in, you know, you're not doing like a team meal out together, doing like a team bonding experience like that. And then they have to run in three different waves to keep the number of runners small enough that they don't feel like it's a risk and to try and keep the runner safe. Um, So a lot of different things. But as Annie told me, like, hey, these these girls just want to compete. And if they have to do some things differently and um, adapt they're more than willing to do it if it gives them a chance to to run and just get some of this competition and get some sense of normalcy. Right. Do you do you have any of the other sports on your radar in terms of what other high school athletics are going on right now or what's next in the schedule to to start up? You know, um sadly for me, you know, sports isn't my beat, but normally I have my eye on it all the time and I'm going to games cuz I enjoy it and I'm rooting for my friends' kids or the kids I used to coach who are now coaches themselves. And this year, it's just like so far off my radar um, to even follow it. So uh, even even this was kind of off my radar. And, and but I saw that they advanced to say, I'm like, oh, you know what? They tried to give a, a little write up and a little mention to it, squeeze it into all our coverage of the election news and the COVID news, because, you know, it's more important than ever to make sure that like, especially for the kids to make sure they get the, the acknowledgement for the things they're still achieving in the midst of all of us adults having all of our kind of stupid fighting going on. Right. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see. This is the first uh, piece of high school athletics news that I've heard uh, since the pandemic really started. So it'll be interesting to see what other precautions are being taken, what other uh, adaptations students and faculty are having to make uh, depending on what the the next sports are coming up down the line. Mm -hmm. So that'll be interesting to see as we go forward. Uh, one last piece that I wanted to talk about before we jump into your conversation with Louise about their Halloween decorations in Sister Bay is uh, a story about Dan Croes. So, Miles, tell me who Dan is and what's going on with him right now. Yeah, uh, Dan Croes, he and his family, he and his wife Sherry own the Croes Orchard over here in Bailey's Harbor. Uh, it's been in his family for 60 years. 
almost 70 years actually. And unfortunately, he got a tough break, uh, to put it mildly, in April, diagnosed with MDS, um, which is like a form of cancer, uh, sometimes referred to as leukemia, sometimes re- referred to as a a group of syndromes, I guess, that affect the bone marrow and your ability to um, produce white blood cells. And mm. so he gets diagnosed with that and it's in the midst of COVID and he's got the orchard. He usually works at Thermotron X and then he gets time off to run his family orchard. Um, it's been tough on the family, tough on the community and, and his friends, but like now people have come together to help out that family. And when you think about going through that in COVID, when you're in his case, he's going to need a bone marrow transplant. And to get that transplant, you have to be in good health, at least good enough health to, to handle the transplant. Um, which means you can't, he's got to be very protected, um, in normal times. But then when you have COVID and a pandemic and this virus raging through the community, it's especially stressful. So he was able to help on the orchard in the orchard a little bit throughout the summer, but underwent chemo and then had a bout with pneumonia and that set him back. And then you're getting into the fall harvest season when, you know, anybody who worked on a farm or in an orchard, you know, just how much work that is for a a couple of months. Um, And so he had to step back and basically isolate himself. He and his wife isolate themselves in their house, except for trips to freighter hospital down in in Milwaukee to to get treatments and, and see his doctor. So just an incredibly stressful time. And when we think about all the things we have to sacrifice because of COVID, then you think of somebody going through something like that and it's it just takes it to another level. Right. Yeah, you've got the the personal struggles there too. But as you mentioned, they own the orchard as well. And uh, I, I would assume that running that every year is, you know, a, a, a pretty stressful activity as well. And from what I understand, there's been a lot of support for the orchard this year following his diagnosis too, correct? Yeah, uh, a bunch of... His family is his kids are coming up on weekends. One of one of his kids, Andy, lives in the area and helps on the orchard day to day. Um, then three other kids come up on weekends and help pick apples and work the farm stands so they can sell those apples. Um, I know I talked to Jay Keita at the Piggly Wiggly and they've tried to take more and more of their apples to sell them. They put them right out front when you walk in the door, and he said they've been selling a ton of them. And Andy Crow has told me that the and and the, his brother Eric said that. The farm stand has just been unbelievably busy this this year as people have stopped by to to support the family, which is just really heartwarming to hear. Um, and then community members have gone over and helped pick apples, do maintenance on the trees, cut down trees that need to come down, and and step up and help any way they can because you know the kids aren't even going in to see their mom and dad right now. They are speaking to them only through the window, um, taking every precaution they can uh, to to help their dad get healthy and help their dad get this transplant. If he does get the transplant, he's told that it's, you know, a very good chance of having a, a great prognosis and survival rate afterwards, but he's got to get to that. And right now he had pneumonia in late August and that sent him back, put him in the hospital for a couple of weeks. Then he had from that pneumonia, they think he had a small heart attack, which will require triple bypass surgery that he has to have before he can go and get the transplant. So he's got a couple of hurdles to clear. Um, but he, he's a really positive guy. He just, he said like, you know, it's just, you have to go through what you have to go through. And he said, I've got a great me- medical team. I trust my doctors. They've been great. And he's very confident that, that he'll get through and come out the other end of this. Um, this weekend, uh, the community has stepped up in another way. Some friends 
have organized a drive-through benefit. You know, in a time of COVID, you can't have the normal kind of benefit that Door County is um, so great at doing for community members. But they're doing a drive-through benefit with a bunch of raffle prizes, food for sale, hot drinks for sale. It's going to be behind the Bailey's Harbor Town Hall on Saturday. Um, and, you know, you can buy raffle tickets. It goes from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. And just, you know, turn out and show your support for the family, um, for their friends, and, you know, pitch in a little bit because they clearly he hasn't been able to to work and to run the orchard. And there's, you know, he's got health insurance, but that doesn't cover everything. It doesn't cover the travel the lodging costs and all the other things that they've had to endure. So really cool to see the community come by, come together and find a unique way to try and still put something together to, to help the family out. You know, it's something that I've seen a lot in just my, my short time here, but I'm sure that you can, you know, testify to it too. The, the fact that members of this community really do rise up to support each other in times of need. And it, it's something that I've, I've seen a lot. Uh, and I think it's just, it's really cool every time it happens. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's been something time and time again, you see, see people step up and, you know, it's not just people with a lot of money that can throw it around. It's people who maybe don't have that much extra spending cash stepping up to, to give what they can. And it's, it's really, really great to see. Well, Miles, I think that that'll do it for this week. Why don't we jump into that interview that you had with Louise Housen up in Sister Bay, talking a little bit about the Halloween decorations up there and some other things. So uh, we'll, we'll jump into that next. All right. Joining me now on the Door County Pulse podcast is Louise Housen, who has been not just the Sister Bay uh, Advancement Association's community coordinator uh, for the last couple of years, but really during COVID, one of those people who has really stepped up a lot over the last seven, eight months to go above and beyond her job description to try and um, get information for businesses and communicate that information to the businesses, um, what they need from the state and and maybe even leaders who aren't aren't really getting that information for us. So Louise, welcome to the podcast and thanks for all your work over the last uh, six, seven months now. Well, thanks. And, and well, thanks for the kind words. And, uh, you know, you, as much as anybody else, have also been a huge, huge part of disseminating information and, you know, supporting people and actively involved in, in different committees and stuff to make sure that we all get through this with as much information and as simply as possible. And I can't say enough about our businesses and our, and our, uh, our village board and committees. So here we are. It's, it's Halloween. We're excited. <laughs> yeah. And be. And, and speaking of that, I wanted to have you on just uh, because there's so many things we haven't been able to do this year. So many events have been canceled. I know you guys have had to, to cancel and postpone so many things in Sister Bay. And you guys have come up with a way to provide a little bit of something that's not a festival, not a big crowd thing, but just something a little fun and brighten up some days and stuff for especially families with kids um, in the Halloween season. So you guys have done this... Um, big Halloween display at, at the Waterfront Park. And why don't you just tell me a little bit of the thinking behind that and what it is and, and how you guys got that together? Oh, sure. You know, we've been wanting to do something for Halloween for a couple of years, and it was always really difficult because of, because of Fall Festival. Because Fall Festival, you know, usual just a, like 10 days, two weeks away from um, from Halloween. And the our parks guys and everybody else put so much work into Fall Fest, the thought of, you know, three down fall fest and then oh hello let's put up this other big thing was just overwhelming this year we had an opportunity to do that and so it's great so um it's not without a lot of support financial support and also just 
know, hours of, of support from our businesses in the community and the village. The village was very generous and, and gave us some, some financial support, as did a number of our businesses, Nicolay in particular, and as well as the Piggly Wiggly and Wild Tomato and a number of other businesses as well, because uh, little did we know it, how expensive lighting is. It is not <laughs> inexpensive. It is innocent. Like a whole lot of respect, by the way, for our parks guys who put up all of our lighting. So we did have that professionally done, and so there was a, a crew of people that came in from Green Bay that installed it for us. But what we did was the lights that you see in the Halloween um, display are remote control and they can change colors. So those will now be lights that will be changed to red and green for the holidays on right. trees that had in the past had never been lit before. So some efficiencies there. So we were excited about that. And then we also got really lucky because we have a staff member at the visitor center, Jackie Keycaper, who is a former teacher and artist. And so, um, we had the idea, she and, and Maluska McCarthy, who's our marketing director, had the idea of doing um, Snoopy and the Great Pumpkin. So all of the wood, the wooden figures that you see were hand-drawn by Jackie. Um, they were carved. Actually, we got the plywood, and that was all carved again by by Bob Jiski, a local wood carver, woodworker. Hmm. And then, yeah, but Bob, so we got the Lampers gave us the wood. Bob, um, uh, Jackie sketched the, the figures. Bob Jiski uh, carved, you know, he, he carved the wood in the proper shapes. Jackie and Maluska painted it, and there you have it. And so we thought that was, and we knew that we had big space. People could, go, could come. It could accommodate a lot of people at one time, and they could easily be at least six feet apart, if not more. And so then, you know, when you go to look for Halloween stuff online, there's a bazillion things out there. It's really, really fun. <laughs> So we got the basics, of course. We got the ghosts. We got the skeletons. And then we thought, well, wouldn't it be fun to dress the skeletons up? And then, of course, Fuzzy kicks in and gives us a boat. So we create skeletons dressed as pirates. And then, you know, so it's just one thing after another. And then, you know, our go-to guy for, for hay is always Steve Combs. So he brings the hay. And then um, we went, we bought all of our pumpkins locally and, and got those and, so it was just, it was really, we were so excited. And so it was so fun to do it. Um, and then we also have a little projector, um, too, actually, inside of Village Hall that project from the inside out. And on weekends, they project um, monsters, fun, happy monsters, dancing. <laughs> and that was Maluska's idea, which was great. And uh, so anyway, it's just been you know, we our, our um, we we created a logo for it. We did not, but Katie Holman, also a local, who's our graphic designer, did the did the logo for us. So it's all the way around. It's been fun, and the feedback has been amazing. I mean, we we get feedback. We get such great positive feedback from visitors and from and from our our local residents. But we got a very nice note from a a, a woman who was happened to be visiting from uh, De Pere that said, "This is fun. It's just so nice to see something happy." and something that we could just walk around. Um, Sammy, which who is our 18-foot spider, mm -hmm. is a big hit, little did we know. <laughs> now, Sammy is from California, so he's got to go back to the beach. He's, he'll be leaving one day. But, <laughs> um, but it's funny because, you know, there's a lot of folks taking, taking photographs of little guys and stuff. But Sammy is really popular with not-so-little folks. 
And so you see a lot of people, a lot of adults out there getting their pictures taken with Sammy. Well, so it's just fun all the way around. I live a little bit outside the village itself and um, walk walk through town a lot with my dog and, and my little boy. And it's been really cool to see um, even just in small groups, like one family with their kids or you know, maybe a couple of families. It's not like drawing like massive crowds for anyone to be worried about. But it yeah. is nice to see like just kids hopping around through there and having some fun. And especially yeah. when you know that so many kids have not been able to do so many of the things that you might normally do, um, even no, even just going to school and having recess and things like that. So um, yeah. a fun yeah. thing for families to, to get out and see. And personally, like I always think um, Door County has kind of under underdone Halloween, maybe. So it's cool to see, yeah. you know, Fish Creek started a, a bit of a, a Halloween thing about 10 years ago. And now doing this, this probably becomes a tradition once people expect it. Um, sort of oh, like absolutely. the lights. I plan to do it again. Mm-hmm. Even like the Christmas lights that you guys do in, in Sister Bay. Um, that's kind of cool because you, you put them up and the Parks Department does a lot of work on that. But it draws people all the time without without the work of having booths and festivals and and um, a bunch of vendors. Just just by putting the lights up, you draw tons of people into Sister Bay just to mm-hmm. be part of the community. Yeah, and to experience it and just sit there and have some fun no matter what the weather is. So, and, you know, it's it with what's been, what we, we you know, realized with our visitors this summer uh, who obviously nobody could go to a festival or an event, but <laughs> they still came and they just enjoyed the experience that they had. More and all of them outdoors, a lot of them water related, but a lot of them, you know, wandering around the woods or an orchard or anything else. And this would be similar to that. Certainly not, you know, it's, it's not um, quite as, uh, you know, you're not out in the woods, you know, enjoying nature and things like that. But it, it, I think the thing with, I think with Halloween, it, it brings everybody back to when they were six or seven or eight years old and they had the costume on and they, they've got their little bag waiting to go get candy. I don't know that anybody that can could ever forget that feeling. And it's fun. It just is, you know. So that's what we wanted to recreate. For every and you know, for five year olds to eighty five year olds, and so we're very happy to do it. And and something else I love about it is, um, you know, for a long time in Door County, we judged everything we did from a, a promotional thing standpoint as what's the economic return? How are we drawing more people? What are we doing to get people here and revive our communities? Whether it was Egg Harbor or Fish Creek at times or Sister Bay at times, and sometimes, and I think for for a long while, we stopped looking at it and going. What do we want for our local community? What's just fun mm-hmm. fun to do yeah. as a community? Let's say we didn't have tourists as part of anything. Like, wouldn't it be fun to have people get together? And that was kind of the um, what got lost when Fish Creek was deciding whether or not to do fireworks. They were saying, well, it's a money. We're losing money on fireworks. And we're, our businesses were going to make money with or without the fireworks. And you kind of forget that, you know what? A lot of kids just like to watch fireworks. And it's not about whether or not they're spending money. It's about right. what are you doing to create a, an event that celebrates your own community and yeah. is something for your for your own residents to enjoy. And that's harder to monetize and harder to put a value on. But it is hard. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was a kid, there was a stretch there where everyone stopped doing the fireworks. And as a kid, that sucked. <laughs> like, yeah. I was like, for years, yeah. Egg Harbor didn't do fireworks. And I'm like, well, that's a bummer. Mm-hmm. I, used, I used to love watching the fireworks. So, um, right. It's, it's Halloween. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's the 4th of July. Come on. Yeah. And now, right. you know, just creating something like this that, that locals and visitors who happen to be up here, but just a fun thing to do. And, and we shouldn't lose the side of the value in that. Well, so. thank you. And we appreciate it. And honestly, we did everything we could to not promote it. <laughs> because when we, were, we were terrified and, and you know, we were scared. We didn't want to be, have, you know, be accused of 
putting something to, something together that would then create a mass gathering. So we really didn't start to do anything with it until this week. Um, it's amazing what people find, you know. They're, human beings are they're pretty good at that. They're pretty good at they're hunters and seekers, right? They they find things out. They're clever and they just have a natural sense for that's cool. What's that? You know. So, and boy, you got to give. I'm looking at I'm looking at your pulse pick today, which is amazing. And I'm I'm looking through the list of things that everybody is doing in the in the in the and how, boy, look at what they've done to adapt, right? Yeah. I mean, all the drive-ins and the ridges, you know, so awesome. What everybody has done, you know, Sturgeon Bay. I mean, every single person for these all to just you know, little kids so happy and remember that he could wear his costume and <laughs> he had fun and stuff. So like. You know, right? So you just always prayed it didn't rain and you didn't have to wear a coat. You and, know, <laughs> it's like, I can't wear a coat. And I know so. that there's always, there's criticism by some quarters right now of like, well, how, why are you promoting people to gather? Why any, anything you do, it, people are, are criticizing yeah. as promoting yeah. crowds or promoting people to come here. Yep. And I don't think not everybody knows like how much you and the other community coordinators are trying to balance this or even the destination door County of like, yeah. we, we need to do some things as a community. We need to still yeah. live and mm -hmm. enjoy um, our community events to, to, to the degree that's safe. But I know like all the hurdles you guys are jumping through and, and everyone's considering to try and go, how do we do this, but not over promote it, but at least make sure people know yeah. it's here and that we're, Right. That there's ways we can do things and do them safely. I know Sturgeon Bay struggled with that with the the Third Avenue events they were doing on Saturday nights where yep. you try to do something, you get criticism. You don't do something, you get criticism okay. for not doing something. And at the end mm -hmm. of the day, your job is to to market and put on these events. So it's a really mm -hmm. tough balancing act. So, um, mm -hmm. Well, I think with all of us, and I know I can speak for everybody, the, the first the first question that you had, everybody asked was, is it safe? You know, can we put this on safely? Do we feel good? Is this something we would go to? Do we feel safe going to something like this? Will we send our parents? Will we send our kids? You know, and if you can answer that yes, then okay, then let's figure this out. Let's see if we can keep going, you know? But I mean, it's I, it, we're at a time when there's many different things that that we can we do or say things that we would normally do, like post photographs of, of the color, which was spectacular this season. I think everybody everybody I've talked to said, "Wow, this is one of the best ever." And people would say, "Well, don't post color because people might come. They're coming anyway." But <laughs> um, but it's a, it's tricky, and I you know I I understand it that that comes from you know being worried. And, you know, so, yes, you're right. We, we walk a kind of a fine line and you try to make the very, 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 very best decision, you know, and always starting these days with what's the safest and best thing that we can do for, you know, for our, our community and our friends and our family. So, well, I thank you for that. And I thank the other community coordinators as well who have done that work um, with the Halloween decorations. Those are up through Saturday or will it will they be? You know available? what, they'll probably, you know, I think they're going to be up actually. You know, we'll probably keep them lit for a few days. Okay. After that, because um, it takes it'll take us a few t a few days to tear it down, and then we'll turn the lights off, and then miraculously Santa will come, and then everything will be red and green. You know, as we <laughs> um, for Thanksgiving weekend, which is that's a Christmas miracle. <laughs> so that's how that will happen. <laughs> All right. So, so, so yeah, possibly through this weekend, go and check it out. Oh, for um, sure. It's, this weekend. Absolutely. Yeah. It's downtown Sister Bay at Waterfront Park. Just be just by the between the post office and the old village hall. Um, you bet. Great place to take mm -hmm. the kids and mm -hmm. keep your distance from anybody else who's there. If there does happen to be a crowd, just make sure you're keeping everyone yep. comfortable. So and yep. being and safe. You can also 
take a right, go up Mill Road, take another right, and go visit the Bones of the House because you can drive through there and get some candy from the from the guys at the Lions Club. And, and where it's going to be there could be spooky. Where is that Maybe? again? Uh, the the uh, Sister Bay Liberty Grove Firehouse okay. has from six until seven thirty. Um, families can drive through there, and they'll they'll be handing out bags of goodies. And that's on Saturday night. Saturday, 6 to 7.30, right? All right? So they can do a little loop. Yep. Thank you, Louise. Appreciate it. No, I'll thank you. And again, thank you for doing all of this. I know it's, it's endless and there's, it's a lot, there's a lot of work involved. So thanks to you and everybody involved. Thank you so much for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. If you want to support us at The Pulse, check out doorcountypulse.com slash shop, where you can get a weekly Pulse subscription, purchase some incredible Door County artwork from Pulse artist Ryan Miller, and much more. We hope you've enjoyed the Door County Pulse podcast, and we will see you next time.